Hello, this is Kat, the host of your Growth Mindset Podcast Show. Real quick, before I jump into this episode where I introduce Coach Taylor, she'll be sharing a really personal story with her experience with domestic abuse. So we ask those that are listening, this is also not for the faint of heart. There might be some graphic content that we get into. We sound pretty lighthearted as we are talking on this episode, but keep in mind, uh, we both are very nervous. It is a sensitive conversation. It's a hard conversation. And huge shout out to Taylor for really just showing up today and speaking her truth, telling her story. Taylor and I met through Journey, uh, just like I met the Boss Babe coaches, and we really hit it off. I'm really excited to work with her and definitely go check out her page. I'll share her information at the end of the show. So let's get right into it. I'm super excited to be here. Um, also super nervous. This is my first podcast, but I'm really honored to do it with Kat. Um, I think she really said it great. We hit it off right away. We have a lot of the same stories. Our daughters are about the same age. And, you know, for the record, I think we're both pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I am a spiritual awareness coach. I also went through the journey program. Um, I'm actually working on my signature certification right now, but going through the journey program, I should say. And I work with modern women to help them rediscover their highest selves through relatable spirituality. And what I mean by that is that it can be really hard to be a single mom or even just a modern woman with a full-time career or building a career or building a business and still prioritizing yourself and your spirituality and your own journey and the things that you need to do to, you know, really be on your own personal path and still doing self-improvement. I don't think there's enough time in the day half the time to make those things happen um but we know it's super important so I really like working with women and single moms who know what it's like to be crammed for time and still know that they are worth the personal investment yeah absolutely um I swear I like we had we were talking for like over an hour before this and I just get so hooked onto her her story because guys like this chick, I swear, like I, I said, like when you, when you are at, at a point where backup is against the wall and you feel like you don't know how you're going to fucking do it, like whatever it is in your life, the your career, your relationship or your flat broke, whatever it is, I swear when you hear her story, you're going to be very empowered because I am. And, um, you know, even more like us as single moms, I, I have so many questions still, and we're still learning. And I'm like, how do you fucking do it? How do you raise a kid on your own? It takes a village, first of all. And then also you got to do what you got to do, you know, and you need to learn as you grow. Like I talk about the growth mindset a lot, and that is just so damn important is to continue learning as you grow. Um, and Taylor has done a shit ton of that in her story. Like, I swear you guys are going to hear it in just a second. Um, but from let's, let's just get into it. (laughs) So we were talking about how, so you were living in Texas, right? So it was Texas and then you were getting your master's and your relationship. 
Yeah, I was in Colorado, actually. Oh, Colorado. I did my undergrad at CSU. So I was in like Fort Collins, Colorado, for anyone that knows. Um, and I did my bachelor's there and life was good. And I thought I was going to leave the US and do like Teach for America and teach in Europe and stuff. So I went and I spent about six weeks over there, which was awesome. Um, but I had recently met a boy, you know, all starts with a boy, right? <laughs> um, I had recently met a boy and I decided that after touring abroad for a really short amount of time, I was teaching English um, in Europe, but I was like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to just apply to this master's program. And if I get in, then that's where I'm supposed to be. And if I don't get in, then that's where I'm not supposed to be, obviously. Um, so I got in and since I knew I was staying, I started dating this boy that I met through mutual friends. And yeah, we actually hit it off super great. And we were pretty inseparable from the first date, which, you know, maybe should have been my first red flag. <laughs> um, and I finished my master's at CSU. Yeah. Um, um, and it's so I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to pause real quick. <laughs> um, just because it's going to get crazier in this story. So those that are like listening, just, you know, kind of prep yourself for the rest of the story. Because the reason why um, I'm pausing right now is because this is a time where we're sharing very vulnerable stories here. And for any other, you know, women, single mom that is going through this that sometimes does not catch red flags in their relationship uh this is a huge huge thing this is why like you know I'm giving you the pretense of this conversation because you know you guys have heard my story with my ex and there are still so many details that I have not talked about and Taylor is like really empowering me to tell more details into that uh, so um when it comes to you know, working on your life story and you're a single mom and you're trying to get into your career and sometimes shit hits the fan and there's these red flags thrown at you and you just don't even know how to recognize them is the key thing here. Um, she's gonna get into that right now. So, you know, she met this guy and <laughs> this is before she had her beautiful daughter. So tell us about that Taylor. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I said, we were pretty inseparable, which is always a red flag. Well, I shouldn't say always, but it can be a, a definite big one. When you meet and all of a sudden, you know, you're in that, it's not the honeymoon love phase. It's the, we should spend every free minute we have together. And I want to meet all your friends and I want to meet all your friends. And then you meet the family early on and those kinds of things. So we did all of that. Um, and yeah, that's really where that started. It was completely unintentional for it to go that way, but it did. Um, we were together for about three years and he had a six week old daughter. Mm, from a previous. Yes, from a previous. And I thought she was amazing. I was going to school to be a teacher. I knew that I always, always wanted to be a mom. And he was really, what I thought was pretty open about the whole thing. And he was like, yeah, her mom is in jail um for substance abuse and so i don't really know what i'm doing but now i have this six week old and so he wasn't going out a bunch or doing any of that because he was always home with his kid and so i thought that was awesome you know here's a man that's home with a baby and trying to be a good dad and doing the right thing and they were never together um he was like it was somebody i was you know messing around with 
after the bars and blah, blah, blah. He's like, and this is what happened. So I'm really trying to stay away from that. And I was like, well, that's perfect because I'm trying to get my master's and go travel and do all this stuff. Like the party scene isn't really for me either. Turns out that was all a lie, but <laughs> that should have been another red flag. Yeah. Um, so I got suckered in with the baby and long story short, there was a lot of cheating. I found out later that there was a lot of substance abuse. Um, he made a lot of good money mm-hmm. and uh, he was in the oil field. Another red flag, sorry, oil fielders, but <laughs> there does tend to be a lot of steroids and cocaine yeah. and that kind of stuff because their job is so demanding. Yeah. Um, then they're gone a lot, a lot, a lot. He was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ultimately what ended up happening is we got pregnant right after I finished my master's program mm-hmm. and we had been having issues anyway. And I had been thinking about, you know, leaving which anybody that's listening, uh, if it takes you a little bit of time to build up the courage to do that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It is okay. And you might think about it and tell people you're going to do it and then you don't do it right away. And that's okay too. I don't think we give enough grace for people just starting to recognize that they need to leave. Yeah. That's, I, that was my biggest thing was coming to terms with, I have to leave. It wasn't even so much about, I have to leave right now. It was just coming to terms with, this is no longer healthy. I have to go. Mm-hmm. So if you're at that point, that's the hardest part. And kudos to anybody that can get there. And were you guys living together um, at the time too? So you got pregnant, you're living together, you're still working, he's working. Yeah, we had moved in together about three months into our relationship because um, my college lease was up. Yeah. And we were together all the time, you know, anyway. So I was like, I know it's only been three months, but I'm either at your house or you're at my house. We should just get a lease together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did. We lived together from about three months in and then we moved around together. We lived in like three places after that. And when this happened, we had just moved into like my dream home. It was so beautiful. It was a four bedroom, four bath. It had a basement, wow. and it had a yard in Colorado, which, you know, is so hard to come by. It was my dream home. And I finished my master's. I was pregnant. I was with this, I wouldn't say great guy anymore, but, (laughs) you know, I thought that I was getting all of those pieces together. Yeah. Um, And ultimately, it turned very violent and very manipulative and very abusive. And he did try to kill me and he held our three-week-old daughter at gunpoint oh my god so when that happened there was really no coming back um I called the police he was arrested and went to jail and I haven't really seen or heard from him since my god with the exception of one time um we can get into that later it was about three months after he got out of jail he actually did stalk me and follow me to Texas um but that could be a whole story in itself yeah oh my gosh um, so for those listeners right now, so like she really just jumped into it, right? Cause that's what we want to do. We want to just like tell, tell it as it is. Um, you know, you of course, protecting your daughter. Like, I just can't imagine that situation. You guys are living together and like, you see these red flags going up, right? So you guys relationship wasn't the best. And you had said like, also, of course, the drinking that's involved, um, create, like it really, you know, when you're drinking, what I, what I've said is like, it enhances whatever your emotion is. 
Like mm-hmm. if you're not really working on yourself, it'll bring out the worst in you. And if you are working on yourself, you know how to control it. Um, so it sounds like with you guys, you, you like you said, it was like when you guys were drinking, you guys were just not the best people. Together. We were not. And it started out okay. I was, you know, still in college housing and had roommates and all this stuff. And for a while, everything was fine. Um, when I got into my master's program, I was really excited. We moved to a town next to it called Loveland. It's like 20 minutes away. Not a big deal at all. Um, but then it was just the two of us. And the, his ex got out of jail. And so we no longer had the child at home all the time. She was spending half of her time with us, half of the time with mom. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, cool. Like, you know, we can go out and have more date nights. We can go out and do more things. And I was totally excited for that. Um, but with that, like, you know, when we would go out and drink, he was extremely jealous. Um, but to an extent, you know, I like a man to not to be possessive, but just to be like proud of you, you know, like, this is my girlfriend. Look at it. Yeah. Like show you off in a healthy way. Exactly. And I was like, okay, you know what? We're in a new relationship. Um, he has some, you know, he's been cheated on. Like everybody can use that excuse nowadays. I've been cheated on. I had this horrible relationship. I'm not that open Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I let it slide and yeah, the drinking, once we would drink, there was just, there was always yelling. There was always an argument about something that got blown up while we were drunk. And then, you know, when he was sober, cause I never had the blow ups. He always had the blow ups. And then I justified it with, oh, well you were drinking. Now that we're both sober, let's talk about it. Which was also not okay. Right. Um, but I think when you're in that like binge drinking college scene mm-hmm. and everybody is drinking and going out on the weekends and whatever, do you really pay that much attention to it? If, I guess if you have good discernment, I did not have good discernment at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we would have big, huge fights and it just really, it got worse and worse. Yeah. From and you, so you guys were in your mid twenties, right? Yes. I was, I was 22 when I met him. Yeah. Had just, you know turned legal age to drink Mm -hmm. he was um 24 which was fine uh so yeah the party scene was still pretty good to us you know in a college town there was plenty to do but then when we went back behind closed doors and it was just the two of us things would get ugly yeah Um, yeah and so yeah so like when you um and then when you had your daughter so like what is it every week you felt like you guys were fighting and like these red flags were going up but of course like you still love each other so you guys are still like kind of partying drinking then you then you found out you got pregnant and then what happened after that yeah we and also I think it's super important to mention that in between there you know people always are like oh well these were all red flags and you should have known but in between those fights when we were taking weekend trips and we didn't have his daughter and we were going on vacations and traveling and going hiking and staying in all the like, you know, really scenic and touristy hotels or going away for the weekend. Like those good things. Yeah. They really, really start to cloud your judgment because then you're like, it's not bad all the time. We have our issues and we work through them. Like it's never bad all the time. Of course. Right. <laughs> and it's like and it, really it highs and really lows if it's it, exactly high. it's that huge roller coaster that they always talk about yeah. and if you've never been in a mentally or um, emotionally or even physically abusive relationship you cannot understand what that feels like yeah 
you can't. Because I used to be that person that would be like, well, there were so many red flags and you didn't leave. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of your own fault. And then it happened. And yeah. you don't see it. You really don't. And even people around you are like, how do you not see all of these issues? But when your head and your heart are telling you two different things, um, I think you tend to believe the best in the person that you love. Yeah, you're kind of blindly in love at that point. And like even more. So like, what happened when you guys had your, you know, first daughter together or when he found out you were pregnant, like did things change? Um, Did you feel like it would get better? Yes, we, yes, he had been working a lot. He was away on the oil rigs, um, making really good money. Mm -hmm. And I was finishing up my master's degree. And by then we had had his daughter pretty much full-time for three years. So I felt like we were already doing the family thing and like how exciting for her to have a brother or a sister. Yeah. We, we already had the child set up and then we ended up having her a lot more than half time. We had primary custody, um, because mom just was really going through some stuff. She just couldn't get it together. Um, so yeah, we were both super excited. Uh, we had had plans to move anyway. We were moving in like the next month or so into this big, beautiful dream home in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I was graduating that month with my master's degree. So it was all like this perfect timeline, I thought. Um, But ultimately we moved into that big, beautiful dream home and his ex got out of jail and they started seeing each other again. When you didn't, and you didn't know, right? I didn't know at first because we were, I was so excited. He got stationed at a rig in Colorado where he was only gone, you know, a couple days at a time and then could come home instead of being out of state. And I had no idea that she was going out to the rig site. So there was that. Um, I remember one time in particular, he went up to the casino one night and had asked me to go. And then all of a sudden was like, no, never mind. Never mind. And I was like, well, why not? And he's like, well, you can't drink anyway. You're pregnant. And I was like, okay, so then I'm a great DD. Like, why would we not go together? Yeah. And it just felt, you know, that intuition and in your gut where something is wrong. Yeah. As soon as we moved down there, I was still pregnant. Um, I was only five or six months pregnant at the time. And then the gaslighting hit real heavy. And it was, you are saying these things because you're pregnant. You're full of hormones. Nothing's going on. You... You know, at one point he was like, you cried about a Chick-fil-A shake yesterday, which I did. (laughs) And he was like, so why are you accusing me of all this crazy stuff? Like, it's all these hormones. It's this, it's this, it's this. Um, But he had asked me to go up to the casino with him and then canceled and he went with her. And I just felt like something was wrong the whole time but I couldn't put my finger on it and then I also was like well you know what I am pregnant this is my first child I've never been pregnant before you hear horror stories about you know how crazy you get or what makes you cry and Uh, I cried over food all those things (laughs) Um, yeah I was like that too with my daughter and so at this point you guys were having like the verbal altercation still right like like, that's still happening but he never put his hands on you Right. Like all the time. And then, um, you know, I feel like I went through most of my pregnancy alone and the whole time, like things were so bad. He was sleeping in the basement. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping upstairs. He was leaving at all hours. And I, at that point, I really didn't even care where he was going because I was spending my days alone, crying, feeling sick anyway. Um, just all of that and we had agreed I was going to stay home for a while to be with the girls yeah 
And then after I had the baby, I would go back to teach the following year and use my master's, but I didn't have to do it at the time because he was making such good money. So he would be out and you would taking, you'd be taking care of his first kid also? Yeah, I had her all the While time. you were pregnant? All the time. Oh my God. Mariah never left. <laughs> we had her That's all cool. the time. So you just straight up like were taking care of her while he was just like fucking around basically. Yeah, it got to the point where um, mom had to ask me for permission to see her because she couldn't, she couldn't stop drinking. She couldn't stop drinking and driving with the kiddo in the car. She couldn't. Oh my God. Um, and then like, I remember another night specifically, she was like, Hey, I have to work this night shift, blah, blah, blah. Can I drop her off? Can you keep her? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she came by, dropped her off. And like two hours later, Kyle left. And how old was your daughter at the time? Around then she was about three or about three years in. Yeah. And mom just dropped her off for me to watch. And then they went out together. So I can't imagine what that little one was thinking and like going through all of that and, and what's to come. And, (laughs) um, so then this is all happening. Then you have your daughter, right? So now you Mm -hmm. have three girls and what happens with your relationship and the girls, like at that point, after you have your baby. Um, well, about a week before, um, he was pretty open about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, so, like, he was leaving at all hours of the night, wouldn't talk to me. We didn't have any real conversations. He was never around. And I was like, so are you back with her? And he was like, this is so fucking stupid. Like, I don't want to have this argument with you. You're being so dumb. And I was like, so you are. And he didn't say anything, but he just kind of looked at me and we both were just like, okay. And I was like, okay, cool. So here's where we are. You get a month to figure out what you're going to do. I don't care if you move in with her. I don't care if you like, you get a month to figure it out. That'll give me a month because I had friends still in college. Um, And I was like, I can rent out this house. I can rent out rooms. I can, you know, my girlfriends will come in or I have um, a bunch of younger siblings. I was like, maybe my siblings will want to move in. And then, you know, my kiddo can be close to her uncles. Like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. You're like nine months pregnant at this conversation? Yep. Okay. And I told him, you have a month to figure it out. You're going to stay in the basement. All your shit's coming down here. Yeah. But you have to get out because this is not my house. And he did the gaslighting thing and the, well, you wouldn't have this house if it wasn't for me. And you wouldn't have this without this kind of money. And you chose to stay home. And no, we made that decision together because we were saving money in childcare. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to take maternity leave through a school and all these issues and blah, blah, blah. And so ultimately I thought I was really generous. And I told him that he could have custody like visits when he had his other daughter yeah. so that the girls could spend time together because you would yeah. have to have those days off work anyway. And like, what's the point of separating them? If you have one of them for Christmas, you can have the other one. So we'll just follow the same schedule. And I thought that was more than generous. Yeah. I I don't like that. I just don't like that because I hear this. I've heard this from other women before. And again, I'm not like trying to pinpoint, oh, all guys are bad or like this, you know, are talking about our single momhood journey and not trying to like shit talk, you know, um, our partners, our exes or, you know, the the male that there's no thing as a good guy. There are really great guys out here. Again, this is just full disclosure, our experiences and what you take from this, you know, is up to you. But I don't like when I come across these conversations where it's like, hey, I'm paying the bills, I'm working and, you know, you're at home with the kids and what are you, you know, you need to contribute either more like financially or you're not working that much. I just like that really fires me up because it is just so fucking hard even as a full-time mom it's really hard um 
to be at home with your kids all day, let alone we are we also have this standard of like, oh, now you have to go back to work right away. And now you have to provide and take care of the kids all day. And, you know, just all these things. It, it just brings me back to <laughs> and it's a hard one and it's not I am by no means trying to bash any men out there yeah. so nobody takes it that way um yeah. but it is very you know traditionally the case that yeah. the men make more money so it is usually more financially feasible for the man to continue to go to work and the woman to stay home plus yeah. you know we do the breastfeeding or mm-hmm. Even if you choose not to breastfeed, stay at home moms, like normally the woman wants to be home with the kids more, or I know that's not a blanket statement, but um, it just tends to be true and credit to all the stay at home moms out there because I was doing it while I was finishing out my pregnancy and I had a three-year-old and I was pregnant and I would never do that shit again. Yeah. (laughs) I will not know. I went stir crazy. I was bored. I felt like I never got to see anybody. And then you feel guilty for leaving the kids. And then people assume you're not doing anything all day. Yeah. Even though you're nurturing entire humans. Yeah. And running a house. You're growing a foot. We like to say you're growing a foot. You're growing like humans in your belly. And then after your your body's still healing and then you got to take care of the kids. So anyways, the reason why I was saying it is because I hate like, like you're bringing up, he was gaslighting. And then he was like, well, I'm providing for you. I'm making the money. And you're like, bitch. <laughs> it just don't, normally doesn't get talked about enough in my experience that like you save thousands and thousands of dollars in childcare yeah. if the woman or the father or whoever chooses yeah. to stay home. That is a financial asset. Daycare is expensive, y'all. <laughs> it's a whole nother mortgage. It's a lot of money. And so, you know, uh, because like very quickly, when I went through that conversation with my ex, he was like, well, you know, um, you should just go back to work and we'll put her in daycare. But I was like, dude, but I wasn't making a lot of money at that point. My my money would just go straight to daycare and I just want to be home with my daughter. I want to raise her. It's really special. That's my priority. And I hope you can hear me when I say that. But there was always a fight about that income part. And it's just, it's so sad. So like, hopefully if you're in, you know, you guys get into this conversation with your spouse on having a kid that you do talk about daycare and who's, who's going to stay home, your finances, all of those things are so important before you like move on, I feel like. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, we could do a whole thing on that. Yeah, that's a well. whole nother. <laughs> this is why like this series is going to be fire, I swear. So, you know, um, so you had your daughter or were you pregnant? So like, I was pregnant when we found out about that and when we made that whole pact and, um, you know, when we had discussed it and then um, delivery came and honestly, he was trying to watch the Broncos game during delivery and my parents were kind of like, are are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. Like I was having contractions. I was doing the whole thing. Um, He really wasn't very present during the birth. Um, So there's that. Also, just from my experience, if your mom or somebody sits there and they're like, hey, don't put that man's last name on your child. (laughs) Don't do it, y'all. Seriously, you could always change it later. I know that that might sound. Unless you are married and you share your last name, guys. I I advocate Um, for stacking the deck in your favor. A lesson hard learned. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we had her and we brought her home and it was um, November 27th, she was born and I guess she was a little bit over three weeks old. And it was New Year's Eve and we had not told everybody that we were separating. We had not told everybody formally. So we went to a party with friends. It was a house party, it was like kid friendly. So we took the kids, the kids played, watched TV, fell asleep. 
No big deal. Little did I know that he was doing an entire eight ball of cocaine. Oh, Lord. And took some pills. I don't really, I'm not a pill person. I don't do mm-hmm. any of that stuff. So I don't know exactly what he took. Yeah. Um, there were some little green pills. If anyone out there knows what that is, yeah. I don't recommend them. Um, so we mixed a bunch of pills and alcohol and some cocaine. And we went home that night and he tried to kill us. So. Oh, my God. And wait, and your daughter was born at this point? Yeah, she was born. She was about two. It was New Year's Eve. So she was just over a month old. And you were you 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 were the DD. You took the baby home and you had the other daughter. Yes. And you guys went home and then he lost his mind and tried to kill all of you guys when you got home. Like you guys were in a fight or what had escalated. It was we got home, oh you know, late. It was like one or two in the morning. The kids were already asleep. Yeah. We went and we took them upstairs. And he was beyond drunk, which was fine um, uh-huh. because I drove. And uh, he wanted to take the car and go out for a pack of cigarettes. That's all he wanted was a pack of cigarettes, which was not far down the road. It was like two blocks yeah. down. And I was like, okay, well, you're way too drunk. It's New Year's Eve. Like, you're going to get caught. Let me go and get them for you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't take that very well. Don't So he was definitely not open to me going to the store to getting cigarettes. And it was all of a sudden just something uh, switched, flipped, I guess. And this part is kind of fuzzy. Um, He had butted me outside of my car, um, cracked me pretty good over the head. And I don't really remember a lot of what came next. The paramedics said it's due to like, you know, the blunt force trauma and getting hit in the head. So I don't really know exactly like what happened um I do know that like when I was conscious again he was like dragging me up our stairs to go into the house and I was like just not helping like he was literally dragging me across our driveway and up the steps and so I remember pulling back from him but still being you know I still have my postpartum stitches in I'm still sore we're not out of that six-week window yet um, doing all of that and I remember pulling back from him and he just stomped on my hand it was so terrible like on the concrete step at an angle completely shattered my hand it hurt so and bad all for cigarettes all over he wanted to go was to just high on drugs right yes and I was like there's no way you can drive drunk on New Year's Eve yeah. like it's just not it's not happening um dragged me into the house at which point I do know I was pulling away from him like I do remember that pretty clearly although at this point like my head hurts yeah like bleeding all I, over the house at this point I, yeah well he gets me into that doorway like you know the little entryway and he's yelling at me to get up and I'm like seeing stars I can't get up my hand is cut to hell and smashed and bloody and he's like tell me to get up get up get up give me your phone and I can't even make sense of it. So he just starts, like, starts kicking my stomach and my stitches. And I couldn't get up because I was in so much pain at that point. And that's where all the blood comes from is you're kicking out my postpartum stitches at this point. Like, <laughs> what did you want me to do? I couldn't even function. But I did know I was not going to give him my phone. Um and thinking of your babies, like I can't imagine, like at this point, like what is going through your mind, like to call nine one one to God. get the phone out somehow. And both my parents were Marines, 
and you know there was a lot of military upbringing that they would say things all the time and I would be like you guys are literally insane yeah like we, you know, we could all shoot all those things. Yeah. They always said, never go into a building, not know your yeah. exits, all these things. And I was always like, when am I ever going to use yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but it actually came in handy because they were like, look at times. Like, can you see your clock? Can you reach anything? Can you do all those things? Like if you're in fight or flight, you always fight. Yeah. And so he was trying to get my phone and I was like, I don't have it. I don't have it. It's in the car. I don't have the phone. It's in the car. So he goes out to the car. I can hear him hitting it he popped all the airbags in my car he was hitting it so hard he smashed my driver's side window like my rear view mirror all of it my car's dented he was hitting it it set the alarm off um he had the keys so he turned the alarm off but I mean I could hear all this happening and while he's outside freaking out trying to find um my phone in the car I was able to get my phone out and I was trying to call 911 and I couldn't get it I couldn't get it to work I couldn't get my hands to work um but I did get it to record and that was really important because you can turn your camera on from the screen yeah you can do that um so we used that later in court we were able to record that but um he came back in the house and his oldest daughter who was three came down and she saw you guys she did but he took her upstairs roughly but um didn't hurt her okay you know picked her up yelling at her to go to her room Put her in her room, locked the door. Mm-hmm. So she's okay. She's in her room. She's up there screaming her heart and out. And your daughter is sleeping. Yes, in our room. So like when he went upstairs, yeah. we had a, our master bedroom was on the right and both of the yeah. girls' bedrooms were on the left. Yeah. Um. So she was in her room. She was safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was up there screaming her heart out, but she's in her room behind a locked door. Cool. While the banging and the screaming wakes Kara up, the huh? my daughter, the baby. She's yeah. only about a month old. So she's up there. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going upstairs. I'm trying to get myself upstairs. There's, you know, there's blood up the stairs. It's just a whole freaking mess. And she's in um a bassinet, you know, that you can pull over to the bed. Yeah. So I go over to pick her up and he's letting me. He's not stopping me at this point. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is great. And I go to take her out and he just like knocks just knocks me out. He had um, a gun in the safe in the closet that he got out. So I have a really gnarly, pretty cool pistol lip scar um, right above my eyes in my hairline. And it's at this point, like you were- No, I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to work. I was dazed, I could barely see. And I do remember asking him like, I want my baby, I want my baby, I want my baby. Like she's hungry, just let me hold her, let me feed her. Yeah. And I'm on the ground at this point. You're just protecting your baby, basically. I just, that's all I wanted to do. Like, just let me hold her. I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, But now all of a sudden I know that there's a gun out because he just pistol whipped me across the top of the head with it. Yeah. Um, So he's yelling at me to stay on the floor. So I am. I'm trying to look up at him, but like my head is bleeding. My hand is bleeding. I'm bleeding. Like, I can't see shit. Everything hurts. It's all terrible. Um, and he's yelling at her and he's like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Like, why won't she shut up? Puts this gun to her head. And he's like, I swear to God, if she doesn't shut the fuck up. And I was like, well, she's hungry. Just just give her to me and I'll feed her. Cause I was nursing at the time. And I was like, just give me the baby. Just, just give me the baby. And it's okay. Like, I'll make her be quiet. It's fine. Oh my so God. So he's holding us both at gunpoint, you know, kind of moving it back on around. And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm going to make sure you never see her again. And then he takes her downstairs. 
which he says he's gonna make her a bottle and I'm like oh my god what the fuck am I gonna do I have to go downstairs and get her um well he still doesn't have my phone so I called 911 and I put it under the master bed and I could hear them and they were like what's your emergency and I just kept repeating my address because it really doesn't matter yeah no that's smart that's smart yeah you're gonna come now you have an open line and um he heard me talking to somebody so he comes rushing up the stairs and he's like what are you doing what do you think you're doing blah 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 give me your phone and I was like I can't I dropped it under the bed and he's like who the fuck are you talking to and I'm like my mom was trying to call or I don't even remember what I said somebody's trying to call me like I tried to play it off like there was nobody on the other line and he's like give me the phone so I was like shoving it under the middle of the bed so that it was an open call but like there was no way for either of us to get to it um so you know that was all pretty lucky actually the fact that he didn't get my phone downstairs and the fact that I was able to call anybody was extremely lucky um so he like tells me to stand up which I can't and he's like all right take your ass downstairs like go sit on the couch and he still has Kara at this point you must be in full I just can't imagine (laughs) because my you know my daughter's almost three but I I just can't imagine the feelings and your uh, everything like right now just how fucking scary this is at this point like he's holding your daughter and like what the fuck do you do you know I mean he said don't do anything yeah (laughs) there wasn't really a lot that I could do yeah because he has a gun and he's holding her right so yeah I mean thankfully PD got there pretty quick um he we did make our way downstairs um and he was holding your daughter still Yes. And he told me to sit on the couch and he was like, I swear to God, if you move, I'll fucking shoot you. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he spit on me. And then I don't know why the spitting on me, like, I don't know. Like I'm already on the couch. I'm already bleeding. You already have the kids. Like there's literally nothing I could do. So at that point I was just like, really? Yeah. Okay. And then the police start knocking at the door. Thank God. But he still has Kara. So yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And yeah. he's like, shut your fucking mouth. Like, you don't say a word. We are not here. Which, it wouldn't have mattered at that point since it was an open 911 call. They could have come in anyway. Like, they can see the blood outside, dude. Yeah. They can see the broken car. Like, they yeah. know. Um. So he takes the gun and the baby and he runs upstairs. So I, of course, run to the door and I'm like, they're like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I'm like, there's two bedrooms upstairs there's a bedroom on the right and there's a bedroom on the left there are two kids upstairs and she's like okay but I need you to tell me what happened and I'm like there are two bedrooms upstairs. I know like there's go get go bedroom get on them. the right and there's a bedroom on the left he has my kids yeah so there's a female officer and a male officer and the female like guides me out of the house and she's like you have to stay out of the house now and I thought I probably should have been arrested because I was like he has my kids and if he if he hurts them I'm gonna fucking kill you yeah which I think at that point, the police officer was probably just like, all right, you're scared for your kids. Like, yeah, I should not have said that, but yeah. I was so panicked. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of and course. she's like, you're going to sit on the ground, like right here, sit on the step and we will go in. And like more cops started pulling up. There were multiple cars. Everybody's coming up at this point. Um, so I was like running down the driveway and I was like, there are two kids in the house. There are two kids in the house. There's a bedroom on the right. There's a bedroom on the left. There are two little girls in the house. There's a basement exit because we had a finished basement that you could go out the back. There's a basement exit. There's a back door with a patio. 
and they were like, we need you to calm down and tell us the story. And I was like, go get my fucking Yeah, like, like, please. <laughs> so they do go in and they did find him. Um, it's in the police report that he used the girls as a human shield. When he came down the stairs, he grabbed them both. <sighs> he kept his gun out. He used the girls as a shield. He told them like, if you shoot me, you're gonna fucking kill them. Um, I don't know exactly how they got the girls. Yeah. Probably just because he was surrounded at that point. Like there were people in the basement, in the main floor, everything. Um, but I was well, not allowed the baby, to He was holding the baby. So I'm assuming like then he put her down. So they arrested him, right? Like something- He, like, he had to have, or maybe they just told yeah. him like, Maybe he could see there were, I think, like four or five cop cars at that point. Yeah. So he probably knew he wasn't really getting out of there. Yeah. Either way. Um, but yeah, he did put the kids down. I got the kids back, obviously. Uh, called my mom, waited. He did get into a fist fight with the cops and tried to blame me. And he was like, well, we came home from a party and I don't know what her problem was. She went crazy on me. And they were like, dude, like you don't have a mark on you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they did even just the drug test alone and all this stuff in his body. Like, yeah. Once they did all that, I mean, there was nothing he could say yeah. and he had already tried to fight police officers. He had, yeah, just, had again, I mean, so at that point there was really nothing they could do, but, um, I got the kids. I had to give Mariah back to her mom, obviously. That was a pretty big deal. I did have to call her and um, give her back. And then I had to call. My mom was living in Texas at the time. So I like, called my aunt and everyone came. Um, there was a police officer that stayed with me until I had friends and family get there. So that was good. I mean, I don't know. It was that at that point, there was really a point of no return. It doesn't matter how much I love yeah. you. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. The fact that we were breaking up anyway, I mean, I just, that was it. I just want to, I'm like, I'm taking a deep breath because people don't know my face reactions because it's on the podcast, but I'm like literally like holding my face together and I'm like freaking out because I just am like, how the fuck did you go through all of this? And this was how many years ago? Kara's um, about three and a half. So yeah, roughly three and a half years ago now. 2017. It was New Year's Eve of 2017. So that's how I started 2018. And it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it. I mean, the fact that I'm like, <laughs> the fact that you're able even to tell this story now. Um, and this is why, like, we're all talking about this. This is why Taylor is also sharing is just really to, you know, for anyone that maybe going through this that is still scared to come forward or talk about it and maybe sees red flags or is in something maybe not maybe not this crazy but you have this gut feeling and intuition and all these things going off on you and you're scared to speak up like we pray that you do really you know and like taylor like what really what could you have told yourself back then sometimes it's just so hard like we said we're so blindly in love and you wouldn't even know what to do sometimes or how to get out of something like that. Yeah. And honestly, it wouldn't have mattered. It didn't matter if anybody told me anything anyway. And that's, you know, the other thing. But I would just say if you are in that place, you are 100% not alone. There are people that do it all the time. If you're worried about what people are going to say, 
or what they're gonna think or it doesn't it doesn't matter if your friends are gonna hit you with the we told you he was no yeah. good or you should have let it doesn't matter it does not matter um you know I have a um Instagram account for my coaching and I did share some of this story on there yeah. and I will say just off of that one story I've had so many people reach out that's not related really to what I do yeah um, but just speaking about it and bringing it to people's attention and making a space where people can share yeah. that story it does happen yeah the statistics speak for themselves you know somebody that it has happened yeah. to yeah or it has happened to you or you have you know, probably even in your circle of close friends and family, it has happened to somebody else and it needs to be talked about. These things happen. Those red flags happen. Recognizing red flags is a huge thing. And then not criticizing people for when they do finally leave. Yeah, absolutely. Like it took me three years. And if I hadn't had my daughter, would I have left? I really, I really don't know. I want to say yes, I would have. Yeah. Everybody wants to say yes. Yeah. Of it's just me. Right. And there were no other kids. I mean, I don't know. Like hindsight's 2020. You think you would. Yeah. But we had had pretty bad arguments and stuff before, and I didn't leave. So it doesn't really matter what your breaking point is. I think as long as you recognize that you have one, and it takes a village no matter what. So you don't have to be that person that's like, I have to do this all on my own. You don't. There are so many people out there that want to hear your story and want to support you and would would help you if they only knew. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, gosh, I have like I have like a million questions, but we're gonna continue this series, guys. Um, thank you, Taylor, so much for really just showing up today, full vulnerable, um, sharing your story, speaking your truth. And, you know, you can reach her on the um, Instagram, Taylor Ray Talks underscore. And you could see everything on there from she actually does post, you know, um, there is a photo on there of everything that had happened, you know, and if you feel like you're listening to this and you're you're probably in the same position or you might be or, you know, someone that is like you know, again, we're praying for you and hope that, you know, you could reach out to, if not one of us, someone that you can trust to really talk to about this, that you are definitely not alone. Um, and we're just going to continue our mission here, like helping other women. And again, you can reach Taylor on her Instagram at taylorraytalks underscore where she helps modern women rediscover their highest selves through relatable spirituality you can also have a tarot reading with her which is really awesome and she also teaches breath work guys so feel free to reach out to her there